Before I begin, I just want to acknowledge that I brought a friend with me. His name is Bennett. He's sitting here in the back, and he is considering entering the seminary for our diocese, the diocese of Boise. So he drove over from Idaho, and he's staying a few days with us in the seminary. So please pray for him. And um, any young men here? You know, I don't see any, any young men who might be of age of entering the seminary yet, but, or maybe, maybe there are a couple. But in any case, consider the priesthood in the seminary for yourself down the road. And you don't have to decide everything at once. You don't have to become a priest. You don't have to decide to become a priest when you start discerning. You just have to be open to it and eventually make a visit to the seminary and eventually apply to the seminary. So just encourage that. But please pray for Bennett as he is on, on that journey. Now, we finished an election season a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? So how'd you do? And of course, I'm not asking, you know, who did you vote for or did your candidate win? But how did you do personally? How did you do with your emotions? Did they, did they get the best of you? Or even maybe with your behaviors? Did you fall into any sins, perhaps? Maybe slander or gossip? And of course, I'm asking these questions of you, but they don't only apply to you, they apply to myself as well. I'm susceptible to all of these struggles during election seasons and during other difficult seasons in our lives. And I was pretty detached from these elections here in, in Oregon, but I remember what I was like a couple of years ago at the last presidential election. I remember what, how difficult that was for me and how difficult that was for so many of us in, in our church and and in our country, in our families, how divided a lot of our families became. I had a, a cousin who shared that she wasn't going to attend uh, family functions if she knew that there were relatives attending the same function that had voted to the opposing candidate. So that's pretty, pretty difficult, isn't it? Pretty bad. Now, maybe that's an extreme example, but I recognize some of that in me, some of that antagonism in me towards others who don't agree with me. And I've been wondering, why, why is that? And what is, if there is a problem there, what's the problem? And more importantly, what's the solution? And that's helpful for us in any season, but we know that in a couple of years, there's going to be another presidential election. And so what are we doing now to prepare ourselves for, for when that comes? To make sure that we don't, if we, if we fell into any of these sins ourselves, that we don't, we don't do the same next time around. Now, all of the scripture readings are important to us, and I think the, the readings today reveal a lot. The second reading was uh, from a letter to St. Paul to the Colossians, and he talked about heaven and earth, which I think is helpful for us to start thinking about this. But in another letter, in his letter to the Thessalonians, he said something that was particularly poignant. He said, Our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we expect a Savior, our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. I think it may be helpful for us to think about our citizenships in heaven and on earth. We have two citizenships in heaven and on earth. Now, St. Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, but he's writing to all of us because by virtue of our baptism, we belong to the body of Christ, and so we share our citizenship in heaven. But we also have a citizenship here on earth, as we know. We have to carry out our duties and obligations, and we have to do things like voting and forming our consciences to vote properly and to help others to vote correctly according to Christian principles. So these things are part of our citizenship here on earth. But I started wondering, what does it look like if I live my life primarily out of my citizenship on earth? Not primarily out of my citizenship on heaven, but primarily out of my citizenship on earth. 
And I think it looks something like this. My starting point is, what would an ideal society here on earth look like? What would an ideal society look like? And I come up with my solution or my conclusions to that. And then I, I think back from that. Well, what principles need to be in place in order for, the, for that to be brought about? Well, if I know the principles, then what parties, political parties or platforms or politicians need to be in place? What laws need to be in place to bring about those principles to, in order to bring about that society? And so then I find the ones that align with what I think the ideal society is, and then I go and vote for them, and I try to convince other people to do the same. I'm not saying that that's wrong or that that's bad, but you see the thought pattern there is I'm focused on building an ideal society on Earth. And so when I see that that's going on my way, that I'm progressing or that I'm contributing to the progression towards the ideal society, then I'm happy and I'm joyful and things are going really well because my ideal society is being actualized. What happens if that's not going my way? What happens if the opposing candidate or the opposing platform takes charge? Or even if they start campaigning that they might take charge? Well, of course, now they're a threat to me. They're an obstacle to me. So that's where my fear and my anxiety comes from. My ideal society might not come about. And so I have to stop them, or I have to convince enough people to not vote for them. And again, we have to do these things. We have to carry out our duties and obligations. My point here is where I'm focusing, when I'm doing that, I'm focusing primarily on my citizenship on Earth. I'm trying to bring about my citizenship on Earth. And that's where I become really fearful and really anxious and really susceptible to outbursts of anger. Now, we know anger by itself is not necessarily sinful. There's righteous anger. Last night, I shared a similar homily in Mill City, and I had a wonderful conversation with a gentleman afterwards. He said, well, what about our righteous anger? Jesus flipping the tables in the temple? Yes, of course, there's a room and a place for that. But we know Jesus didn't sin when he was doing that. Right? So when, what is our righteous anger and what is sinful anger? That's, that's what I'm isolating there. So anxiety, fear, sinful anger... Gossip, slander, and these things lead to gossip and slander. So sin is the one that we want to stay away from. Now, that's all happening because I'm focusing on my citizenship on earth, and they're an obstacle to me, so I have to stop them. What if instead I focus on my citizenship in heaven? What if that's my starting point? I think it looks like this. I realize, first of all, that Jesus Christ has already come down to earth. He has already taken on human nature, redeemed it from within. He has already taken our sins upon himself. He has already died on the cross, risen from the dead, and ascended back into heaven. He has already done all of these things. I don't need to be afraid as to whether that is going to happen or not. These, all of these things have already happened. Beyond that, he has also built heaven for me, so to speak. He has already established heaven for me. He has already secured heaven for me, for when I die, for me to go there and live there with him for all of eternity. He has already done those things. That's for me and that's for all of you. That's for all of us. He has already done these things. I don't need to be fearful or anxious or afraid 
as to whether these things are going to happen in the future. There's nothing that can happen that is going to prevent that from happening. That has already happened. It's already there, waiting for me. Now, we know that's not the end of the story. There is something that I need to do and that we need to do in order to end up there in that place where he, has, where he is waiting for us. There is something that we need to do to get there. It's not guaranteed that we'll get there. There's something that we need to do to cooperate with God to arrive in that place. But you see, the point of starting with our citizenship in heaven is that we don't need to be afraid about whether it's going to be there or not. It's already there. Our citizenship in heaven is already there, is already existing. The question then, maybe even the source of fear then becomes, what do I do to get there? And what do I not do to not get there? What do, what do I need to stop doing in order to, to, not, to make sure that I get there? If we come to this place, we realize that the only thing we need to be afraid of is my own and our own sins. These are the only things to fear when we push, when we press it all the way to the bottom. There is an ancient novena, the most ancient novena that we know of in the history of the church, novena to the Holy Spirit. And it starts like this, it says, only one thing is necessary, eternal salvation. Only one thing, therefore, is to fear, sin. And not other people's sins, and that's my temptation, right? Well, but they're sinning, so I'm afraid. No, not other people's sins. My own sins. That's the only thing for me to fear. Okay, well, where do we go from here? Because I know that I can't just stop sinning overnight. I know that I'm too prone to sin. And that's where this solemnity of Christ the King comes in. That's what the church's celebration of Jesus Christ, King of the universe, is about. No matter who's president, no matter who's governor, no matter who is in charge here on earth, Jesus Christ is king. Now the question for me is, is he king of my own heart? Is Jesus Christ king of my heart? Is he king of my decisions? Is he king of my actions? Is he king of how I treat my husband, my wife, my mom, my dad, my children? my neighbor, my enemies, is a king of my own heart. Let me read a couple of passages from a couple of spiritual authors in our tradition. This one is from Origen. He said, The kingdom of God, in the words of our Lord and Savior, does not come for all to see. Nor shall they say, Behold, here it is, or behold, there it is. But the kingdom of God is within us, for the word of God is very near in our mouth and in our heart. Thus it is clear that he who prays for the coming of God's kingdom prays rightly to have it within him or herself, that there it may grow and bear fruit and become perfect. For God reigns in each of his holy ones. So what does it look like to move forward in Christ being king of our hearts? 
Is it something that we will ourselves? Is it something that we just perfect ourselves and then he becomes king? No, that's, that's a heresy. That's not Christianity. We don't perfect ourselves. What it looks like is we come before God in honesty, in transparency, and we say to him our sins. We tell him, God, this is where I'm failing. And we know, we've been catechized, we know if we commit a mortal sin, we go to the priest in confession. And we say, Father, these are my sins. And we go also directly to God. God the Father, these are my sins. We just be honest with him. We tell him what it is that we're struggling with. And we ask him for his mercy. Then we approach this altar here. And we receive him. Christ the King, we receive him into our souls, into our hearts. And in doing that, he builds his, little ki- his kingdom in us a little more at a time, step by step, stone by stone, being honest, being transparent, being vulnerable with God and allowing him to build his kingdom in us. Here's the last, the last quote from St. Leo the Great. For what is more king-like than to find yourself ruler over your body after having surrendered your soul to God? Ruler over your body. Remember I asked those questions? Did did we fall to sin? Did we fall to gossip, slander? When I do those things, I'm not ruler over my body, over my words, over my tongue, over my emotions. I'm not ruler over these things. I'm being a slave to them, really. What is more king-like than to find yourself ruler over your body after having surrendered your soul to God? See his point? It's not, we, we, we're not the ones who perfect ourselves. We surrender our souls to God, and God builds his kingdom in us. And what is more priestly? Now, Father Jay is a priest. I'm becoming a priest. There's the priest of, of the ministerial priesthood. But we're all part of the priesthood of the baptized. And that's what he's referring to here. What is more priestly than to promise the Lord a pure conscience and to offer him in love unblemished victims on the altar of one's heart? This is St. Leo the Great. To offer to God our unblemished conscience, our pure conscience, our unblemished victims on the altar of one's own heart. So that's, that's our direction. And that's why it doesn't matter who wins the political elections. Because whoever wins, whatever the situation is around us, we can still be coming to God and we can still be confessing our sins and we can still be allowing him to build his kingdom in us as he purifies us and as he sanctifies us. So that one day when we die, we go and we live in the kingdom of God in heaven for all of eternity, living out our citizenship in heaven. And just remember the last words of Jesus here in the gospel today. Amen, I say to you. Today you will be with me in paradise.